This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Double Tap Canada, the show where blind people talk tech. Have your say. Call us, text us to 844-971-1999. That's 844-971-1999. Tweet us at Double Tap Canada and find us on Facebook. Just search for Double Tap Canada. Now here's your favorite double tappers. Me? Uh, oh, hello. Hello, hello. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Excellent start. Well done. Yeah, as always, another fantastic start to Double Tap Canada. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello. It's me, Stephen Scott. We've got Mark Afalalalalo. Hello. And we've got Sean Brice. Hello. I'm really getting tired of doing that. Can we stop doing that as of next? Yeah, week? Oh, you started this. Wait I a know. second. <laughs> the problem is, it's like sometimes you just want to reverse out of that cul de sac, and I'm, I kind of do now. We're stuck. Yeah, come on. We're, we're supposed to be a professional outfit. <clears> and this <throat> week, it's just guys, us. This week, guys, we're going to have a guest on the show, so we've got to behave. We, do. we have to put on our tie oh, or dress shirt and that's right, yeah, pants clothes. on. No, no pants. No, no, no pants. I won't even talk about what I'm wearing today because it's so warm where I am at the moment in the UK. Yeah, you know what I love about warm when you say warm? It's what, 22 degrees Celsius? 22 degrees today. That's yeah, like that's, that's like a Bahamas fall. Like, I mean, it's warm oh, when on, you just come out of winter. No. It is. It's so warm. I, I cannot, I mean, this is the kind of weather everyone takes their tops off. We buy ice cream. Uh, you know, we buy paddling pools. <laughs> I, we actually did. We bought a paddling pool for the dog. Not for us. I don't think if no, I get in it, I'll never one. get out of it again. Yeah. You bought a paddling pool for the dog. Yes. Has your dog been in it yet? Mine hasn't. Well, they haven't even opened out the packaging yet. It's still in the box. Oh, well, okay. It's still in the Amazon box. Of course. The dog or the pool? <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully the pool. Um, yeah, we're going to talk all this week about, uh, all this show, I guess, about um, Windows 365, the big announcement. Oh, kind so of excited. Hit. Just as we recorded last week. In fact, we were so ahead of ourselves, guys, with this announcement that we're actually recording this early. So, you know, we actually we're, we're, we're doing this uh, uh, the week before broadcast, which is wild. I hope there's no big news announcement between now and next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> this if is actually, we didn't talk about that brand new Apple glasses, sorry, guys. <laughs> would that <laughs> not just be typical? Would that but wouldn't be, that be? Uh, we would, we would be probably so just go on the air and just do another show anyway. Uh, but, you know, don't hide the fact that the real reason we're doing this early is because Sean threatened to take vacation next week. And we had nothing to do. We just did not want to have it. And, uh, this, this and was as much as we make fun of him. This yeah. is what would have happened next week's show. <laughs> that would have been the show next week if we had... All I said is, I'm thinking about taking next week off. And next news, right, we're recording tomorrow. Then. <laughs> well, thanks. That makes everything beautiful. Also, you know what works you know what, really well, but, but, Sean? You know, is, you know what I love about this is the fact that Mark says to me, do you know what, I'm really looking forward to Friday because I've got a day off. I'm doing nothing. There's nothing in the diary. Nothing's happening. I'm like, hey, let's record a show. <laughs> But and there's then I go, let me get news. a guest. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, it's okay. We guest with 24 hours notice. It's great. It's fine. But you know what, Sean? Um, here's, the, here's the real trick. Mm. Um, don't answer the phone for the next three weeks. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. I can do that. Yeah, um, you can do that. Don't. Now, listen, I don't know if you've got the document in front of you there, Mr. Afalalalalo, but we have a very long email in from a very disgruntled listener because of you. Uh-oh. Yeah, oh, because God. Are we talking about trouble. Lawrence? Uh, no, Gre- oh, no, was there more? Uh, I'm stopping the one from Greg. <laughs> oh, I think Lawrence was I'm, fine I'm with this, actually. Uh, we do have another email coming in uh, that we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, this one from Greg is uh, the one which I've got to say is uh, it's all because of you, essentially, because of the uh, the conversation we had last week about President Biden's executive order. Oh, I knew we shouldn't have talked about that. What did I say? Don't Mark bring politics again. into it. No, start in trouble. I'm, I'm clearly looking at the wrong document because this is last week. I think it's at the, the end of the, the document. Of document. Yeah, keep going. Cause oh, the, 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 the scroll, the he's scrolled. He's appended scroll. it. Because we are, exactly, I appended it. I'm going to mm. use that word again. Mm. Um, <laughs> the reason being is because we've recorded the show so quickly that, you know, our social media guy hasn't caught up yet with all the information. So we had to append. Anyway, the point is it's there. You got it? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm scared to read this. I saw the word appalled. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Hello, Tappers. I'm sorry to write your show so often, but your discussion about President Biden's executive order concerning mo- monopolistic practices of big tech left me feeling appalled. 
I don't want to read the rest. I'm scared. <laughs> um, what the order attempts to address regarding big tech are the following. Number one, one section aims to improve Internet service by eliminating early cancellation fees and transparent Internet pricing. I have no problem with that. No. Another section aims to establish the right to repair. I, I'm okay with that, too. Uh, there's a section to reestablish FCC rules on net neutrality and eliminate faster service. I'm okay with that, too. The order aims to forbid apartment buildings and offices. I, I have no problem with these items. Um, it sets an administration-wide policy for scrutinizing so-called killer acquisitions. Those are when a company buys a competitor for the purpose of shutting down the competition. Now, I get that. I, I, know, I know that's what the purpose of it is. And the, the law or the bill stipulates that it wants to stop large companies from eating up a smaller company because that company could one day pose a threat. But how do you determine that? Well, that's, that's exactly the problem right. I have with that's, it. That's the, that's where I've got the issue with this. I mean, I, I I get everything Greg says, but I'm also thinking, yeah. But at the same token, it goes back to our point: Do we want to be in a position where tiny companies can be swallowed up? Um, and is that is that okay for that to happen? Listen, and- how many times do you hear a story about a small company saying we're doing this, we're doing this, so that one day Google will buy us, so that one day Apple exactly. will buy us? You know, yep. they they that's in their mission. Their goal is to be acquired by a larger company, and I get it in certain instances where, for example, Apple or Microsoft or whomever will buy a small company because they have a, an edge on, like Siri. You know, look at that. They bought they bought that company because they wanted that particular service to use it yeah how are you or who can possibly say that that small company would not have been a competitor to apple in 15 years from now no one can say that and anybody can argue both directions so that's my problem my problem is don't try to stunt people's growth because they're getting too big for you and actually that's what pisses the, whole, me the, off. the whole point is that there are other companies who are in competition. So, you know, it's not like there's just Apple and that's the only company that makes smartphones and the only company that sells them. There's Google mm. and Microsoft obviously do software for PCs and all the rest. Yes, I know there's less companies because they are hoovering up all the, 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 the little companies that are doing stuff. But. Again, I go back to my point from last week. I don't think these companies are complaining. If I, if someone said to me, well, "I'm going to buy uh, Sean Priest off you for you know four million dollars," I'd be like, "Yeah, well, I'll take the four enough. million. <laughs> two, two million for me, Mark. We're sorted. Sean, all the best to you." No, listen, that's <laughs> fine. Oh, he's still here. <laughs> Crack didn't go through. That didn't work. Cards <laughs> be, declined. Stop oh, well. it. To be fair to Greg, look, maybe we should have made it clear that it's not about the entire bill here. It's, it's about that particular point. But what about when they buy a small company and then kill it off? What about? But it depends that? because hang on, they killed off Siri as an independent app and they brought it into and their ecosystem. In. Yeah, which is okay. Which is I haven't got a problem with that. Did but you clean are, your th- bins out of your office? Yes, there okay. have been instances. <laughs> Come on, Mark, concentrate. Stop it. There have been instances where companies have been bought simply to kill it off as a competition. It hasn't been brought into the fold. It's just been simply shot in the head. That's true. But how do you know? How do you know that was the intention? That's the problem. You know, this is, and this is, again, on the other side, this is where I agree with, with certain aspects of it. Those things should try to be stopped. I totally get it. But how do you, how do you police that? You can't. And you can't do it without, you know, harming Everybody in the process, everybody trying to grow. Well, there only is one way to do it, and that's for the government to decide who buys what. And that's the problem, isn't it? Mm. The government would have yeah, to decide yeah. if any acquisition is acceptable or not. And if, and but don't they do, do that now that? technically anyway? Well, don't they, don't they have not, to approve to it? Like, level. Listen, when, level. When, when a company, a big company wants to acquire another company in Canada or the U.S., they go through various departments. They have to go through, uh, you know, a, a competition bureau in Canada to make sure that it's okay for competition. It has to go through the CRTC if it's a telecommunications deal. In the U.S., they have to go through the FCC and get approval for it. I mean, there is government oversight into whether or not these things are allowed. I mean, we've saw big telecom issues when it was was it Sprint and T-Mobile that were the, the first attempt at merging or at buying one out. Um, didn't go through. And then they suddenly said, okay, it's going to be a merger. Maybe they changed terminology and, and changed a couple, you know, T's and I's in, in the actual document and suddenly it went through. But, you know, who who is to, why is there one body or one person that can say that's all right for one and not all right for the other? That's my problem. Yeah. No, well, it's an interesting point, Greg. Thanks for bringing it up. Although, in fairness to you, Greg, I don't think you gave us a viewpoint from your perspective. You just kind of brought out your your beliefs on what we didn't cover, but actually there only well, is one aspect of this. Well, his viewpoint, he was appalled. 
Well, he was appalled at the show, <laughs> yes. but, but we're used to that. That's that's fine. I'm, I'm, I live in perpetual disappointment of Greg, so it's fine. Thank uh, you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. No, we love your email. Thank you, and keep them coming. Uh, I also want to mention just a couple of things. This has nothing to do with anything other than I just want to mention them because I think these stories are quite interesting. Amazon have brought out this new feature. Uh, now, you know, guys, I am not the kind of person who can really sit through an audiobook. What about you, Mark? Are you an audiobook listener? Um, uh, I've listened to maybe two in my life. Oh. Um, only Are you because more of a physical reader? Do you prefer a book? No, God, no, God, no! I cannot read. I, I cannot. <laughs> My wife reads a page in like thirty-five seconds, and I'm like still on it for five, seven minutes. I have no. My my brain does not have the capacity to properly ingest. Um, the the content by reading it. I would rather it be told in a movie. Um, <laughs> exactly audiobook is is kind of I guess the happy medium where it's read to you. But I for, I have a problem with retaining things. Yeah. Um, other than salt and water. Um, <laughs> sugar in my case. Yeah, yes, sugar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, that's um, why this week yeah. uh, Amazon have launched this product. Well, I, I say that's why, but actually I think this might help us in this way because the thing I've often wanted in audiobooks is some kind of episodic version of an audiobook. You know, Sean, you get these audiobooks and like, you know, 16 hours long and you're thinking, yes. who's got the time for that? Exactly right. They're, I can't they, do it. They're a time suck. They kill you. And trouble is, if it's one a really good book, you can't stop listening to it. Another chapter, another chapter. Before you know it, it's a bit like binging on Netflix. You yeah. know, you can't stop yourself. But it's not presented in that way. So, you know, if you fall asleep, I, I still think to this day, if Amazon have, have got the capability to do this, and I'm sure they do, it should have a snore detection function in the Amazon <laughs> Echo that when it's, it detects the snoring, it pauses the book and maybe knocks it back to the start of that chapter. That would be brilliant. But until that happens, they've come up with this mobile-first reading experience for serialised stories. It's called Kindle Vela. I wanted to mention it. Uh, Kindle Vela, two words, Kindle Vela, V-E-L-L-A. Uh, the stories are offered in short 600 to 5,000 word episodes and can be purchased one at a time. The first three episodes of every story are free. Amazon have told us in a press release, uh, adding that readers can then buy additional episodes with tokens via the Kindle app or from Amazon's site. Now, assuming if this is what the way I think it is, this means it will not be available in, uh, well, it will be available in audio, I guess. We can listen to it, obviously, you know, whatever we want, but it won't yeah. be read, I'm guessing, in the way that Audible books are. It'll That's, be synth read, wouldn't it? What do they call it? Whisper read? Yeah, and we can listen to it through text to speech or text whatever. Text to speech. Yeah. It sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. It's okay, yeah. It's yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to mention it. So check it out if you can. Um, it sounds quite interesting. And also, if you have been uh, having trouble with the new Siri remote, the new Apple TV Siri remote, uh, I don't know if you've lost yours yet, Mark. I have uh, a couple of times. Um, no, well, not at all. there is a company called Elago, E-L-A-G-O, who are bringing item finding to the Apple TV series remote with an AirTags compatible case. Oh, so clever. Well, yeah, well, so basically you it's a case. Stick an AirTag on it. Well, you could do that, but it's unsightly. This thing's got a little pocket inside. You put the AirTag in, then you put the the oh, remote control inside a silicon story. case. Ridiculous story. Get oh, out of town. Move on. I love it. <laughs> Not Elago. getting involved. That is okay. absolutely brilliant. Not getting involved in this conversation. <laughs> and also WhatsApp this week uh, announcing they are starting multi-device capability testing. Um, this means that you'll, I guess, be able to oh, go across devices. At long. I know yeah. it's... You've got to sign out of one to get to the other. Absolutely ridiculous. And uh, Apple launching a MagSafe battery pack for iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro. Uh, starting at $99. I've got to say, my wife loves these battery packs. She used to have one for her, I think it was the iPhone XS she had. She got one of those, and um, she she was saying to me, you know, it'd be great to get one, but this one's good because it's MagSafe, right? So fits on any device, only available in white. Like that? Yeah. Did well, we mention this we did, last week? Did we I did talk this? about this last week, yes. Yeah, I'm Mark so excited about it, I thought I'd tell you again. <laughs> Mark was excited about the reverse charging capabilities. It doesn't exist. Uh, with that. Well, we're not entirely sure. You think you remember this two days later, right? I know. I know. Yeah. We recorded it the other day, right? What are we talking about here? It's just sometimes you think, I just talk on too many shows or just talk too much in general. Um, look, stick around. We've got lots to talk about on the show this week. We are going to be joined by a very special guest. Uh, Mark is bringing his friends to the show. Uh, we're going to be uh, finding out all about some uh, fantastic new features of Windows 365. You might have heard uh, some news about that this week. A brand new service from Microsoft that will bring Windows to your browser. Details coming up. 
This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers, want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. This is Double Tap Canada. It's a tech show. Honest. It is a tech show. Honest, guys. Uh, we always do this just uh, before a guest comes on, which is so embarrassing. Mark, why do we do this? <laughs> this is your fault. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. That's actually not your fault, but we'll blame you anyway. Uh, you have brought your friend with you this week. Uh, which I did. It was Bring Your, it was bring your it Friend was bring Show your Day. Bring Your Friend it was not, it was to the Show Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, here's the story, guys. You know, last week we talked about, uh, well, actually, we didn't talk about it because it was announced right after the show that Microsoft had made this really cool announcement of a, a a new service called Windows 365, which is, I, you know what? I'm not going to explain this, guys, because my my bring a friend is Jason Bromit, head of modern work and security at Microsoft Canada. Jason, uh, thanks for joining us. People on the show may recognize you from the town hall that we did um, on Double Tap TV. Thank you for for agreeing to uh, field my, my my barrage of questions here because I'm really excited about this announcement. But can you recap what this service is and who it's meant for? Yeah, absolutely. And great to be here again. Always a pleasure to see the team. Um, So really exciting announcements, uh, as you mentioned, that we made earlier this week for Windows 365, which we really do view as what I'll call the world's first cloud PC. Uh, And it's often referred to as, I'll say, Windows in the cloud. Uh, The way to think about it, which is uh, Windows 365 is really set up to, I'll say, securely stream your personalized Windows desktop apps, settings, and content from the cloud to any device. Uh, and, and I'll give you two perspectives, which is in uh, given the pandemic and what we've had to live through over the last 15 months, uh, we know so many companies, small and large, literally had to send their people home overnight. And in many cases, those organizations weren't set up to do so. Um, we actually shared as part of the launch announcement earlier this week, uh, this, the work we've been doing with the government in Nunavut here in Canada uh, as part of our preview. And if you think about just the, dis- the distribution of the geography that Nunavut has, Uh, The idea of being able to ship a PC to an employee of the government uh, is a three or four week exercise just by virtue of uh, logistics. In many cases, they don't have roads. And so accessibility is about flights. And so think about an individual sitting in a remote location, actually being able to boot an existing piece of hardware and having their uh, organization just stream windows directly to them. And so we think this is an amazing opportunity, certainly I'll say in key scenarios like hybrid work, disaster recovery. But we think, frankly, it's for the smallest of small businesses with an employee of one, uh, all the way through large enterprises who are really trying to rethink what I'll call their hybrid strategy and and really delivering uh, great experiences to their employees, no matter where they are. You know, I'm going to be that employee of one, I think, taking advantage of a, of a service like this, because I, I hear this announcement and I saw that work, work case for none of it. And, you know, you think of a typical IT department, you know, getting a computer that takes about a week if you want to configure the right way, then configuring it, getting it onto your domain, getting it configured, getting out to the employee is is forget about none of it. I mean, just a regular, you know, main metropolitan city, like getting yeah. that stuff out and about is kind of hard. And the cool thing about the service is it's completely scalable, right? So you'll be able to configure a machine, say, okay, I want this employee to have a machine with two CPUs, eight gigs of RAM, this amount of storage. One of the coolest things that I saw was when they did a speed test of the machine itself. So remember, this machine's in the cloud. It has a 10 gigabit connection to the internet. So 10 gigabit (laughs) of download. uh, I think it was up to four gigabit of upload, which, so, so this is how my mind works, okay? I'm on vacation. I'm on a beach somewhere now. I I no longer bring my laptop. I have my iPad. Okay. I don't believe I, I don't believe a word I need of that. to I need to get onto an audio <laughs> session that I that I mixed. Okay. Now we're I'm pushing the envelope here now because I'm I'm talking about audio visual here and we're gonna get to that in a second. But I open Adobe Audition, which I downloaded to my cloud PC. I open my session, which I have in Dropbox, but I don't actually leave it on the computer to, to waste storage. I actually selectively sync it from my Dropbox or my OneDrive. And because it's on such a fast connection, that session downloads in 30 seconds. I open it up. I do my little edits. I save it. I export it. I send it back to somebody. I don't need a physical computer with me anymore. The power supply, any of that stuff. Can this work over the slowest of crappiest hotel internet connections? 
So, uh, listen, um, <laughs> all or of LTE, us have, for example. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, and, and again, without question, I'll say, um, speed is going to be a function of the connectivity that you have. Um, but again, look at the Nunavut, uh, story, uh, where most of their connectivity is satellite based, uh, and they've had an exceptional experience through the preview. Sure. There's going to be dependencies on the app and, and sort of the computing power required of the individual apps that you may be experiencing or participating with, uh, in the OS or in the uh, cloud experience, but yeah, absolutely. And part of it is uh, from a roadmap, not, it won't be available at launch, but we will also have an offline offline mode. Uh, and so as you think about experiences of both connected states and disconnected states, we want to be able to deliver an exceptional experience irrespective of those two. So this is a totally different approach to the way that you've done this forever right you've always had to buy a machine you get a windows license and then off you go whereas this way you can use any device that you want to use now of course for us and and sean including in here of course as visually impaired people we're very keen on this because we've been mucking around with remote desktop connection recently since the update came on the ipad and on uh, on the mac side and, you know, with MacBooks now having those M1 processors in them, a lot of people are wondering, oh, when will Windows come to the Mac again? When can we do that? Uh, and, of course, this kind of blows all that away. It says, well, it doesn't really matter. Just open your web browser and you're in. Um, that's kind of where we're going now, that Windows is going to be a service. It's not going to be something that you need a, a license key for and you need a, well, I was going to say the old days with the box it used to get with, you know, the software. <laughs> oh, well, that's gone, right? Believe Obviously. Um, but, you know, that's that's where things are changing, isn't it? And, you know, it's going to be a very different way of consuming that service, which it will not yeah. be. Yeah, and I, listen, I think um, we've, we've talked about this before, which is uh, computing and technology and the experiences each of us as individuals, organizations expect have changed. Uh, we, without question, think that I'll call it the traditional client PC uh, is known and loved. It's what most people are familiar with and still serves a very important purpose. Uh, virtualization, I'll say, as a second sort of dimension of computing solutions, again, plays a very important role. Uh, but it also comes with some complexities. And we recognize that a lot of organizations don't have the skills um, to manage those virtualized environments. Uh, then you have desktop as a service, which has certainly emerged, uh, I'll say, more recently. Um, but we really think about this as a great opportunity to create what I'll call a simplified experience for organizations and individuals to be able to access the apps that they love, uh, no matter where they're working, especially in a world where we are going to be hybrid for some time uh, for the foreseeable future. So Sean can, uh, Sean's going to ask us the question. <laughs> on, on all our behalfs, that everybody who is blind and partially sighted wants to know, it's the only question I've got in response to the question when I told people on Twitter we were going to be talking to you. And that question is, Sean? Is it accessible? That's what everyone wants to know. Now, we would assume it is, but th- there was a slight problem. I love remote desktop client. It was fantastic. The networking speed, the, you know, the improvements we've seen in networking technology has been amazing. It's like I was sat in front of my remote computer when I was using it. Mm. But one problem I did come across on certain platforms was the inability to send uh, modifier keys on the keyboard, such as Control, Alt, or Windows, <clears throat> excuse me, across to the uh, remote PC. Now, is there going to be full keyboard access to this uh, cloud PC when we get it? So uh, first thing I'll say, and, and Sean and Mark, we've, we've all talked about it, which is uh, accessibility by design is just a fundamental principle. Um, and when you think about uh, Windows 365, obviously, uh, out of the gate, when it becomes available August 2nd, uh, we'll uh, include Windows 10. Uh, as we release Windows 11, uh, it will also become accessible for organizations through Windows 365. We've made some incredible advancements and investments in Windows 11 around accessibility. Uh, and so I would expect absolutely 100%, Sean. Um, that being said, uh, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet myself, but uh, we do not deviate from our principles of accessibility by design. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, yeah, but the, the thing is, right, it's, it's difficult at this point. It's new, it's brand new, it's a whole new approach. Um, but like you say, I think the one thing we can be sure of is that accessibility is at the heart of what you do. We know that. And, you know, I've been beta testing Windows 11 and loving it so far. I have to say Narrator is brilliant on it, although I have downloaded NVDA, but, you know, that's between you and I. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's really good. I'm, I'm loving using it. It's a brilliant operating system. I, I think, you know, Mark's been sort of hinting at possibly going back to uh, Windows at some well, point. Well, you, you know, I haven't hid the fact that, you know, I, I made the switch to a Mac 
yeah. many years ago, um, just because of hardware, mostly, to be perfectly honest, because the hardware was better. It was more reliable. Um, I had a friend who had a metal bar in his back. Every time he'd walk into my room, for some reason, my PC would react to it and it would just crash every <laughs> single time. No, and it was the only it was the only common factor that I could possibly link it to was my friend with the metal bar in his back. Um, but but having this accessible to me in this way, in this literally open your iPad or open your tablet or your Surface or whatever it is and have access to all your familiar tools to be able to jump back and forth between a desktop, an iPad, even, you know, even a phone client, to be perfectly honest, in some cases. You know, I think about HoloLens. I think about the new TCL glasses, being able to plug into your phone and access your desktop with just glasses and not even needing a screen. The, the the opportunities here are absolutely endless and the ability to scale up these machines um, and configure them in a way that I would configure my desktop. Like, I, I don't see why I wouldn't be able to run Premiere and do video editing remotely. I mean, it's limited to just my connection to the Internet. Really, that's going to be the bottleneck here, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, I'll, I'll be honest, Mark. Uh, you and I have talked about it. Would love to get you back onto Windows, uh, a Windows device. I'll say full time, and you and I will continue to work on that. Hopefully, we can figure. Listen, out this I metal, have one here. Metal, I got a beautiful, metal. a beautiful this, Dell Alienware machine right over here that's ready awesome. to go. And not only that, but I reached out to to you guys, um, the PR side. I said I need a Surface just so I can destroy it with Windows 11 testing, and they're sending <laughs> me one of those too. So it's going to be, Excellent. you know, it's, it, the road. The road is paved. <laughs> and listen, yeah. I should say as well, uh, Jason. I am I'm, I'm sporting here a a beautiful Samsung Galaxy Boot Pro. Amazing with Windows. And, you know, I'm a Mac guy, and I have been for a long time. Uh, I, I actually, maybe I'll rephrase I'm an Apple guy. That's maybe a better way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but the truth be told, when I want to get stuff done, and I mean this from an accessibility point of view as well as a general user point of view, mm-hmm. I always go to Windows. We talk about this mm-hmm. all the time, Sean, don't we? We talk about, you know, Mac is great for a lot of things. VoiceOver on the Mac for a blind person, not brilliant, yep. if I'm honest. It's a bit of a it's- struggle. <laughs> Um, it's it's just it's it's a bit more difficult to learn, and I think if you if you're into it, great. I'm I'm not, and I find it more of a struggle. Whereas I find Windows easier to access, and for that reason, I find it's easier to get things done. I'm not just saying that because you're here. I'm not going to blow smoke up you because the bottom mm-hmm. line is, you know, we use different tools for different purposes, right? We go between. Absolutely. I go between my Mac for a lot of video work. I go to my PC to get the stuff done and the admin work I need to do and all that. Um, but you know, the Windows side is certainly becoming more powerful. Um, a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter about lag as well. I mean, you know, from a keyboard user perspective, you're getting, I mean, and actually, let's think about this from Mark's perspective as an audio editor. If he's editing something on Edition, he wants to be able to hit the space bar, it starts, hit the space bar, it stops. He doesn't want to have that half second uh, or, you know, have any millisecond lag on that. Is that something that this cloud computing is capable of at this point, do you think? Can I can I answer almost for you, Jason? I had a conversation on my SiriusXM show with, with my, my co-host Mitchell, and we were talking about this, and he asked the same question. I said, Mitchell, you see all the work that they've done in the past year on cloud gaming? Mm. All that experience is now being used on a Windows machine, and we're not worrying about frames per yeah. second yeah. and instant shooting and targeting. So imagine if it's even, I don't know, even 10 milliseconds slower than that. It's still better than anything we've ever seen out there. Yeah. I did wonder yeah. about this, Jason. I'm sorry. But we will let you oh, from Microsoft ahead. actually answer this question. <laughs> but, but yeah, did, this is good. I, I did, did wonder I'll just sit here that. and listen. I know, it's great. <laughs> this is the best job ever, isn't it? Uh, but I did wonder about that from the gaming perspective, because you will have learned so much on that. I was thinking about, you know, the work that's been done in this space. That that obviously has, is a big part of it, isn't it? It it is for sure. And and um, listen, when we look at sort of the collective cloud services um, that we offer and we provision and we provide to consumers all the way through to businesses, uh, we learn across the organizations. And so a lot of the work that we've done on some of what I'll call our consumer centric ser- cloud services, uh, Xbox obviously being a big piece of in gaming. Uh, without question, a lot of that IP and intelligence and experience has gone into the design for Windows 365 and, and uh, that cross-section and, uh, and cross-pollination of our engineering teams is super important. Uh, and so Mark's, Mark's comments were spot on. I don't need to answer. Don't go anywhere because we, I have more for you. I'm going to give him rapid fire after. I'll let you answer, I promise. Yeah, sounds good. We, we might even uh, get you some questions and give you the chance to answer them. How about that? That sounds good. Uh, Jason Brom is with us from Microsoft this week on Double Tap Candidate, Head of Modern Work and Security. That's a good title. I like that title. I'd never have a title as good as that. Uh, right, stick around. Lots more to come and more we'll chat with Jason next on Double Tap Canada. 
If you love Double Tap Canada, why not check out Double Tap TV with Stephen Scott and Mark Aflalo every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. The latest tech news, hands-on reviews, exclusive interviews, accessible to all. Find out more at ami.ca slash Double Tap. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. This is Double Tap Canada. Have your say right now. Call or text 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca. Now, back to the show. Yeah, this is Double Tap Canada. Do get in touch if you've got comments uh, you'd like to uh, perhaps put to uh, us here or any of our guests who've been on. Of course, anyone who's been on the show will, of course, be happy to come back on. Well, we say that. We hope that's the case for Jason Bromit this week from Microsoft. Hello, Jason. Hello, how are you? It's good to have you back on with us. Um, so, yeah, Windows 11 is uh, going pretty well. Are you uh, quite happy with it so far? I mean, early, early beta release is looking good. I'm not hearing many complaints, and you know people love to complain. <laughs> hey, we all, we all do. We all have our moments. We're, we're, we're all consumers at some point. Uh, the, the feedback's been fabulous. Um, really excited by the work that the team's done around Windows 11. Uh, I've now got it installed on one of my, my devices uh, and really enjoying the experience for sure. Yeah, it's a big, big difference. Uh, have, you, you've, have you got that Surface Pro yet, Mark, to trash, as you put no, it? No, I, ha- I, I haven't received it yet, mostly because people, have, people take vacations. What is this? Vacations? <laughs> pandemic? This is not. This is not. I think a lot of people are catching up, actually, for lost vacations of years past. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, I look forward to playing with it because um, it, it definitely. I mean, it's 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 super attractive. I tried to install it on my my Surface Pro, I think four or three. I'm like, it's like, no, sorry, we're just not going to have that for you right now. So, uh, we, we were talking. Uh, we, we're still talking. Obviously, Windows 365. I want to throw some some quick questions at you that sure. I know people have been asking, and I'll let you answer them. I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when using when using Windows 365 uh, on a remote desktop connection or, or via the browser, is are we still going to have that kind of symbiotic connection to your local interface? Meaning, can I print locally? Um, will will sounds and and all that stuff kind of pass through naturally, or is this something that's going to be a little bit of a struggle when we get go? No, I, I, listen, at the end of the day, we want to ship a great experience uh, irrespective of, uh, I'll say, the work that you may be doing. Uh, and so I would expect, uh, obviously, again, very new announcements, but you, I would expect the full fidelity of experiences um, in the scenarios that you kind of talked about uh, as we make this available. Um, now, obviously, we'll be able to spin these up pretty quickly as in, on the IT perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to be able to scale our machines if someone, for example, needs more CPU power or more storage or more memory? Is that something that's going to be able to happen in the background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, Windows 365, when it's available uh, early part of August, will come in two versions, uh, Windows 365 Business and Windows 365 Enterprise. Uh, and then we will obviously enable customers to scale up um, based on what are the scenarios that they're looking to solve for, uh, what are the computing capabilities that they need. And so, uh, again, really about building that flexibility in. Uh, being able to work across a range of devices and operating systems, as we've talked about, which is really bringing Windows, whether you're using a Windows traditional device, uh, 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 Mac OS, iOS, Android, Linux in the future. Uh, We want to be able to serve users no matter where they are, uh, and more importantly, no matter what they're trying to do in this new world of hybrid work. Any limitations on third-party software, like I talked about the Adobe Suite, for example, or is it really just that that true Windows desktop experience and no really no real limitations other than what your IT department puts on you? Yeah, totally. Uh, and we, uh, I'll say, consistent with uh, Windows 11, which we obviously announced a little while ago, back with uh, the announcements of Windows 10. We also stand behind our app commitment, uh, and with AppAssure as a program that's available for customers, so that if they do run into app problems, we stand beside uh, you and making sure that we can support it. And so. Uh, bring bring all your apps. I guess is maybe the short answer. Um, my last question that I had again from yeah. from, a, from a comment that a, a listener sent in um, was, you know, in, in the typical IT workflow, we create, you know, we tend to create this window image. You know, create an image file. Okay, it has everything that we want installed for a new employee. Are we going to be able to do something similar to that, where we can create uh, almost a template of this desktop in the cloud, and then say hit duplicate, and then assign it to a new user? Absolutely. So we'll give IT all of the um, the predictability, I'll call it, in terms of cost uh, and the scalability and reliability and resiliency that we just talked about, obviously security. Um, but that simplicity, I'll call it around um, both purchasing, deploying and managing. 
Uh, and so uh, through whether it's through Endpoint Manager uh, and the admin console, we'll be able to create those profiles uh, for users based on uh, whatever, again, uh, type, type of worker, where they may be based, uh, the apps that they need access to. Uh, and so you'll be able to create those profiles for sure. So that's from a business perspective. It will come out for personal users, uh, consumers at some point. Any idea when? Is it this year likely? Um, so we've only talked on the business front. Um, mm. I, again, I think uh, I'll say the question remains, which is, hey, is this, what does this look like for a consumer? Mm. Uh, I think we'll, we'll learn very quickly as we make the business uh, capabilities available. That's actually a really good point. Because, yeah, what would a consumer do with that at the moment? Because I, I, my next totally. question to you is going to be, you know, at the end of the day, someone still has to, and Sean and I talked about this yesterday, some, you still have to buy a device to get onto this system, right? To get onto Windows, to use it. Um, I mean, it'll make a Google Chromebook usable, at least. I mean, it'll give it something to do. Um, but, you know. Uh, I didn't say that. That was purely <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> we make no claims. Just, just to be clear, that wasn't out of my mouth, right? <laughs> We're all running away from that one, Stephen. It's like, you know, everyone's talking about the iPad, but it's like, actually, the Chromebook, and actually, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. stop saying that word? Stop saying that word, Stephen. <laughs> stop, stop it. But it's, it's so true. Um, but look, it, it, that's what I'm kind of getting at, is that you need a device to get to it. And I'm just thinking about what that looks like for a consumer. I guess that's all still in the, up in the air. Yeah. Uh, and again, which is, um, <clears throat> without question, the last 15 months have been pretty... Um, Interesting. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And mm. uh, a lot of the engineering work that we've been focused on with Windows 365 is about empowering businesses uh, and recognizing that hybrid work, uh, diversity of workplaces, elasticity of uh, workforces uh, are important and challenging scenarios that our customers are continuing to wrestle with around the globe. Uh, and recognizing, again, uh, here in Canada, we're starting to see, I'll say, the outside of this. Um, but we also are still seeing markets around the world that are very much dealing with uh, complexities related to the pandemic. And so uh, really the focus is on business solutions. Um, I, again, we d deeply believe that I'll call it the traditional client PC experience yeah. uh, that is known and loved will continue to exist um, yeah. for the future uh, without question. Uh, and part of that is uh, anchored in our in announcements a few weeks back on Windows 11. You know, clearly, you know, a service like Windows 365 was not just, you know, a child of the pandemic. You know, obviously, excuse me, this is something that's been in the works for a long time. But did, did you did we see a quick did we see an increase in speed um, because of the pandemic or is it something that just timed out nicely? Yeah, um, great question. Uh, I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, which is, uh, listen, let's not be confused. We've listened to our customers, uh, spent a lot of time with our customers and continue to do in, in hearing the challenges that we're wrestling, they were wrestling with. Uh, and so without question, we have moved very quickly as a company. Um, uh, Satya made sort of the term of, I think, two years of digital transformation in two months. Uh, that's not just for businesses in the markets around the world. That's as much as applicable to us as an organization. And so when you look at some of the innovations and enhancements that we've shipped inside teams, a lot of that has been fueled by research insights and learnings through the pandemic. And so we've accelerated our innovation uh, and engineering work there. Without question, you see that same speed and agility uh, and innovation coming through in Windows 365, um, despite the fact that, yes, when we think about Windows Virtual Desktop, of which I'll say Windows 365 runs on top of, uh, it's something we've had available in the market for, not, uh, I'll say, I can't even remember the number of years now, um, but quite some time. Uh, and so this is just the next evolution of that. Uh, again, recognizing that we have a diverse set of uh, scenarios and experiences our customers are trying to get to. Amazing. Um, I, I do have one more question. Uh, sure. will, will we ever see the return of Clippy? <laughs> you know That's what? An emoji. It, there was it, a short article it, about this yesterday. Uh, Hang on a it, second. It's actually it's so funny. There, there there actually seems to be a bit of a social thread running on this. I actually yeah. think we originated it, which was you did. You uh, did. I, I think I saw the tweet, which is, "Hey, if this tweet gets twenty thousand likes, we will replace uh, <laughs> one of one of the uh, icons with uh, Clippy again." And so, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's not my decision, but it, it seems like it seems like we're making the the, the, the possibility of Clippy returning uh, an, a reality. I think Clippy needs to come. But that that should have been your assistant name. Forget Cortana. <laughs> Clippy should have been. Clippy. I'd have quite happily spoke to Clippy all day long. That was that was absolutely brilliant. I think you should drive that internally. I think it's a great initiative for you, guys, and I think that's going to really help push that career forward. Just get on the Clippy bandwagon and just full right. force. Exactly. Uh, look, Jason, I know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to learning a 
lot more about Windows 365. Uh, we'll, uh, I guess, have more questions from our audience to come. Please come back. Sounds great. You're listening to Double Tap Canada. More to come. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers. Want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. This is Double Tap Canada. It's a tech show. Honest. Do you know, it was great to have uh, Jason on with us this week talking all about Windows 365. If you have got any questions or queries or just some general comments that you uh, want perhaps to uh, air you know your particular views around this and uh, the launch of it. It is for business first, as Jason says. And you know, I think, guys, that was interesting because um, he, you know, Jason was really kind of clear on this that it was business first, and that the purpose of Windows three six five for consumers is still kind of hanging in the air. I thought that was an interesting admission in some ways because the company did say they would be bringing this out for consumers as well. But it's interesting to know the company doesn't know go, like... where it's going to go. Yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't really know who. Or how people would use it yet? Oh come on! Can you imagine using this on a smart TV? If your smart TV's got a browser, oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> you've even then got access to a top-notch, powerful PC, persistent there. I mean, look, you could put some crypto uh, mining software on there, come re- <laughs> going all the time. <laughs> it would be amazing. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to make you money ne- out of you'd this. You'd never get any more Netflix watching done. It would be buffering <laughs> day and night if you tried that. Um, but that's that's a good point. I mean, you know, and you know, smart fridges have got screens in them. You could run exactly. your Windows yeah. from the fridge. Um, I, I mean, I was mentioning this monitor last week uh, about the the Samsung M7 monitor I've got, which has got Office 365 uh, built into it already. So you know, without a computer, I can run Office apps. And it's funny because when Mark had sent me the message saying, "Hey, this is happening with Windows," I was like, "Oh yeah, I've already got that in my monitor." And he's like, "No, you don't." Um, no, but, but I don't have that. But I'm like, cool. I'm already. I'm way ahead of the game here with this superb monitor. But it has got Office 365, which kind of shows what's possible. That you know, there you on, have it. No computer, and you're straight onto the cloud with it. That's running. That software is running on that monitor, though, isn't it? It's not I like that so, streaming yeah. in from anywhere. It's running off uh, some sort of processor inside your monitor. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Um, so way too technical for me. It is a tech show, uh, honest. Uh, something, yeah, maybe. Uh, Devin's been in touch. Devin Wilkins from Peterborough, Ontario. Hello to you, Devin. Uh, he received an email from a friend in Halifax containing a link to a rather interesting story, and he was curious to know whether we'd heard about it and uh, what we thought of it. This is all to do with uh, uh, actually something that we kind of assume is coming in the new Apple Watch, non-invasive blood sugar measurement. Um, which really, uh, for a lot of people, has been described as the holy grail of consumer medical tech. You know, no more finger pricks if you've got um, diabetes. You don't have to do that. This non-invasive blood sugar measurement would be something that could be built in, say, to the wristband of an Apple Watch. And a company that Apple gets uh, supplies from has actually come out and said this is something that uh, they, they do. It's a company called Rockley. And they're saying they're moving into the test phase of this. I thought they'd be further into it than that. But then who knows what's really going on, right? It could be announced when the new Apple Watch comes out. Uh, but they're saying that this, the first stage at least, will be a standalone wristband. But they're hoping that it could actually be built into watch models, which I think makes perfect sense, right? I mean, that's what's it's going to end up inside the Apple Watch. I mean, it's I all about what, how... You know the size of the hardware needed, the sensor needed. How do they even do this? Uh, I don't actually know. Maybe the strap is currently the best way. Well, to Well, do you know it, but... there is actually a product at the moment. Well, there's actually a couple of products at the moment. There is that yeah. do this. My dad has got diabetes, and he has had to do the finger prick thing for long enough. And he had gone to his doctor, and they had told him they were going to try him on this new machine, which was being brought in by the NHS here in the UK, the National Health Service, and. This product is called the Freestyle Libra. And what happens is... Yeah, yeah. You know this one? I um, know people who use this, yeah. Yeah, and, and that is your non-invasive blood sugar measurement, basically. It just sits there on your arm constantly. He has a little device which connects via an NFC tag. You don't even have to touch it. You just wave the device in front of the, the sensor, and it gives him instant information about his blood sugar level. And also what's brilliant about it is it tells him when his blood sugar is getting low. So it's proactive as well. Uh, now, that's something that costs a bit of money at the moment, obviously, but it does show... But it's mostly it's covered by insurance. 
Covered by insurance with you, um, NHS here. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's something that's coming in. And we're starting to see more of that. And, you know, once it comes into Apple Watches, uh, I think that'll that'll be great. The only thing, I, I, the, the one thing that comes up time and time again with this, and my doctor and I have had this conversation before about this on a couple of different occasions. There's a bit of mistrust by some doctors. It's like in the States or Canada, Mark, maybe you can tell. But there's, there's a bit of a, you know, reliability issue or, or question over reliability. Um, trust, perhaps, is the right word, of the information that these devices give off. You know, I mean, are they medical grade? Um, and that's often the problem for a lot of the, the medical doctors around here. You know, I don't know, is it a bit more open, a bit more open-minded in Canada, do you think? Yeah, I mean, they, they tend to, I mean, yeah, a little bit more open-minded. A little bit more. I mean, depends. Like the, the blood, like I'm thinking about the uh, blood pressure measurements and things like that. You know, the, there's a bit of a... You know, question mark you need over to, some of that. You trust the organisations for that, don't you? I don't know what it is in Canada, but you trust, like, over here we have the, I think they're called NICE, the organisation that, that tests all these medical claim technologies. And the that's, FDA, the, is it, that's the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, and I love that the, the acronym is NICE. 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 <laughs> but, I mean, all these things need to be, before they can be certified for use, they need to be tested, and those organisations are there to do that. And you know what? Doctors have every right to be sceptical of a new technology until it's been proven to be accurate so yeah but it's not Especially with something as important as diabetes well exactly but i think it's also you know it's the integration part because I, I feel we're still a bit behind on this to me it seems i remember i remember a demonstration apple did on stage i think during one of the the either the wwdc or on a product announcement whatever it was and they were talking to uh, in the video there was a doctor talking to a pregnant mum and the mum was wearing the Apple Watch and the doctor was on, I don't know, FaceTime or whatever, probably FaceTime because there is an Apple event. And, you know, they're having a conversation over the phone and the doctor was able to tell via the watch her blood pressure and the baby's blood pressure via the watch, <gasps> which was incredible, right? They were able to determine the difference between the two. But the, the bigger excitement was that the doctor could get that information remotely, which was amazing. And... Yep. I just think that's the bit that's perhaps missing. I think in the US, they're moving towards more and more of this integration where the information on your watch, on your wrist, is actually giving you proper health information that can be provided to your doctor directly. You know, if I get information like this, my doctor will look at it, you know, they maybe look at my watch and say, oh, that's interesting. And then they'll just pull out this ridiculously huge, you know, old-fashioned piece of <laughs> equipment to do the blood pressure measurement themselves because it's like, oh, we don't trust that modern stuff you know I just, I just think we maybe need to trust the tech a bit more you know well is that whole integration and moving towards digital record keeping anyway i mean mm. that's a good part of it and the whole medical um system and the backbone of it is so antiquated anyway going digital has been especially here in the uk it's been a nightmare you know when i've gone to the hospital sometimes and they bring out my massive pile of notes and some of it's written on the back <laughs> of a cigarette packet and just stapled on the front we are just so far behind Say next year for this, which is interesting. Rockley Photon Photon I can't speak that say that word. Photonics? Photonics? Ooh. A leading, leading global silicon photonics technology well company. Done. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well they've revealed its complete full stack clinic on the wrist digital health sensor system that's going to be uh, going into wristbands first, then the watch later. Um, Someone's going to be bought by a bigger company. Yeah, they're going to get bought out <laughs> and uh, taken on by, if they haven't already, uh, they'll be bought by Apple. And uh, that'll be the last you'll ever hear of Rockley. Um, but yeah, it'll be inside the new Apple Watch. And is that a bad thing? You know what? If it helps people save people's lives, I mean, no one's complaining about fall detection. I want the more metrics I can have about myself. Yeah, yes. exactly. To preempt anything that could possibly happen, the better I am. I think that some people who are a little bit of a hypochondriac probably shouldn't have this technology at their fingertips. Yeah. Especially because it's not 100% accurate. Like they always say, there's, people tend to ignore those disclaimers <laughs> yes, <laughs> when they right. don't care and they just want to, they think they're dying all the time. Um, not that it's funny. It's that I'm not joking about this in any way, shape or form. Guys who want to email me right now, um, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a problem. Uh, but I think the more metrics we have, whether it be an Apple Watch or anything that can that can give us an indication of something's about to happen so we can get medical attention before it does is something that I want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want it on my kids, I want it on my family, I want it on everybody. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, look, you know, obviously lots of uh, new tech is, is coming out all the time for the on the health side of things. It is interesting, though, isn't it, that we always go down the route of, um, we always talk about Apple on this one. When will oh, Google, sorry. when will Google bring out a watch? 
When are we going to see a Google Watch? I mean, never. I, Stop it. I, it's got to happen soon, right? I mean, there's, there's very little competition in this space. I know there's the new watch that's coming from Samsung uh, later in the year, which will have this new Google's of Samsung, you know, child hybrid OS. Yeah, yeah. this this new child of the two. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to wait and see when it comes to that. So far, they've dropped the ball, so we'll have to wait and see when it comes to something like that. But, I mean, look. For, well, they bought so Fitbit, far, didn't they? They bought Fitbit. And, that, yes, they you did. Know, yes. I, I, no, why are they not so putting far. that together? I mean, I mean you, know what, you know what annoys me? Why don't they just do everything we say? Wouldn't it just be a lot easier if these companies just did everything we said and did it, like, now? Fitness tracking, they've got down, right? We've got to know exactly how many steps and whatever. Yeah. We know everything about it. And when it comes to health tracking, like Mark said, that's that's the new frontier, and that could be cool. Who isn't uh, tired of taking their own ECG, especially if you have voiceover on, because it actually makes the sound like you're in a, a medical drama. Oh, does it, goes, it really? Beep, it's terrifying. Beep, beep, beep. I know. Yes. Oh, my God. You see oh, these you things you don't realize. Yeah. <laughs> there are some benefits to, do that to just to hear it. Um, well, look, uh, that's almost it from us this week. Just a reminder to say, if you want to get in touch and share your thoughts on Windows 365, uh, then do please do that. You'll uh, have the details to do that in just a moment. Uh, also, just to say, next week, uh, we are going to be talking about mm. a new screen reader that I've... Dis- well, I say a new screen reader. It's been out for ages. <gasps> but a screen reader that I've downloaded <laughs> and I'm new using... To new to me. Uh, I'm, I'm using this. Uh, well, I'll tell you what it is. NVDA. I've started using NVDA, non-visual oh! desktop access, and uh, I downloaded it. I even dropped sixty pounds, sixty of your British Earth pounds, <gasps> Queen's pounds, the Queen's pounds, <laughs> on Eloquence Voice. Oh, I thought you were going to say vocalizer Eloquence. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about the cost of the Eloquence one. Oh, the sorry, the other one, the, the vocalizer 60 one. Sixty dollars. Is it the same? Oh, right. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll be one hundred and twenty <laughs> Queen's pounds. I'll be spending there. Uh, but yeah, I spent some money on that this week uh, because I am really liking it. And the reason being is because I've been using Jaws on Windows Eleven on the on the beta. I'll get that right for the well Canadian audience here. Um, it's not great with with Jaws is not brilliant on it. it. It does crash a few times. It's not perfect. So for that reason, I've decided to switch over to uh, a tried narrator. Yeah, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. I mean, Jason, if you're still there, uh, it's wow. absolutely brilliant. But you know, I kind He's of gone. I kind of uh, want to try. Never see Jason again. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. No, I want to try. I just want to try and see what it's like. And so far, I'm liking it. So. He's loving it. Hallelujah! Exactly, that's right. I'm a, I've changed everything because of Welcome this. Welcome to the party. Exactly. So, um, yeah, ne- as, as of next week, I'm going to be like, hey, have you not got NVDA? What's wrong with you? <laughs> NVDA is the greatest thing ever. Uh, anyway, thank you once again, guys. Uh, Sean, enjoy your week off, even though officially we're actually broadcasting in the week you're off. So, um, happy week off. Take next week off. Thank you. Yeah, take, take the week after off. <laughs> I'm Although, so confused. Not really. Uh, Mark, catch you next time. Thanks for listening and keep your feedback coming. Call 1-844-971-1999 and leave us a voicemail. Email feedback at ami.ca. We're also on Twitter at Double Tap Canada and on Facebook. Can't wait till next week? Ask your smart speaker to play Double Tap Canada or listen on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.